Hello, everybody. Welcome to Three Point Perspective, the podcast about illustration, how to do it, how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker. I'm Lee White. And I'm Will Terry. And all three of us are professional illustrators. We've all worked for all the major publications in the business, publishers in the business. Uh, we've all taught illustration at university art programs. We've published somewhere around 75 books. And uh, I said that backwards, so and it messed me up. We're awesome. And, we're, and every week we come at you guys with yeah. different audience questions. Uh, sometimes we agree, sometimes we argue, but each time you're going to learn something brand spanking new. Mm -hmm. And this is our last episode of the year. And I thought this episode would be uh, a little more... It would just be us kind of riffing off of what we uh, what we experienced this year as working illustrators, what went well, what we want to, what we wished went better, and what we want to improve for next year. So hopefully to give you uh, kind of insight on how you want to do things with your own illustration career business, um, you know, side side gig or whatever, whatever you got going on there. So uh, first. I, I just, just a quick overall was 2022 for you as a working illustrator, a good year, uh, uh, same as last year, a bad year. How do you think you, how do you think you did as regards to the projects you worked on, the money you earned, uh, the, the work-life balance, what would you say for you guys? It was go ahead. Go ahead. For, for go me, ahead, it was well. about the same, about the same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. That's very <laughs> How boring very is that? Conversational will. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And just now, 500 people switched to the next episode. Well, I could make some stuff up. Oh, man, it was, you know, there were ups and downs. There were twists and turns. Um, Never mind. Some months mind. were better than others, and some were worse. And overall, <laughs> net positive, I think it was about the same. You All forgot. Right. Will, Will's, jaded. Will's jaded now, and he just doesn't want to talk about it. He's that old scruffy guy who. Just, <laughs> <laughs> My year was amazing, um, in a lot of different ways. It, it was a definitely an educational year, as as many of them have been. Um, you know, a move to a new place in the middle of it, which you know it's, that's more personal, but it does change your sort of life. But when I got here, it was very much in line with my work-life balance. Like I like doing, I like going snowboarding. I like going mountain biking and it just, I mean, I'm right at the base of the Rockies. And so that stuff just took off and I'm, I'm in better shape than I've been in, in a long time. I will say that my anniversary of being fit, like really in shape four year anniversary four four new years ago, I decided to get in shape and I mm. kept it up. I didn't miss any time or anything. So that's coming up, that's cool. but I'm in better shape now than I, than I was, than I have been, um, for the work stuff. I did the Kickstarter, which was a wild, much bigger project than I thought it was going to be going in. And it was successful in many ways. I like, I like the project. Um, that said the downside of Kickstarters, I didn't anticipate of how much admin there is. I wish if I'm going to do it again, I need to either have partners or, a system in place where I went like two months where I didn't draw or paint anything because I'm 
filling out orders and I'm getting, I'm correcting people's addresses and I'm working with the printer and I'm sending stuff to print. And I mean, Will's smart because he got a, he hired a graphic designer, but I did all of mine. So I, I had to design the box. I mean, that took like mm-hmm. you know two weeks just mm-hmm. to get the box right. Uh, and then the foil stamping and all that stuff. And then, so you just become a company. That's what I didn't fully appreciate about Kickstarters. Like you better be ready to be a company for that thing. You're not an illustrator for the thing, which I'm used to being. You are in charge of shipping. You are in charge of quality control. You're in charge of all of it. And, um, it's tough. It's uh, like, I, I want to draw and, and paint and anything mm-hmm. that stops that for too long gets, starts to bug me. And so yeah. I, I realized that next time, and I'm not saying there's not going to be a next time, but I just need to factor that in a little bit more. Um, because I just like making stuff. Um, yeah. but that's, that said, you know, all the other stuff, very successful. I mean, uh, our teaching has gone really well and, and, uh, I've got a great office to work in. And so for the new year, I'm, I'm planning all these different projects because that is behind me now. And so now I'm sort of, it was kind of nice too. Cause now I'm licking my chops. I'm excited about drawing and I'm, these projects I'm working on and moving back into children's books uh, again. When did you actually move in to your new house? This, this time last year, we moved here. December, moved right? Yep, December. So I've been so, here one one year. I feel like it took you a couple months just to get situated before you were actually like back to work, right? Well, I, I remodeled the, the house by right. myself. And so I was living here for a, a little while with no furniture and on mm-hmm. plywood floors. Like my family hadn't moved out yet. And so I'm mm-hmm. just, <laughs> no furniture, <laughs> no any, it felt so weird. I remember you be, going crazy. It was kind you started of talking I, to yourself. You had like a volleyball with like sticks shoved into it. If you've seen the if you've seen the shining, that's kind of where I was headed. If they if my wife and son didn't show up soon enough. <laughs> and I feel like with Will just outside looking in, Will, you got really good at the work life balance, leaning more towards life. I feel like you didn't do any drawing until this pickleball book this year. You think it, it seemed that's what that way. it seemed like hmm. It did seem well, yeah, I took, for the book. I, I definitely took some time, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I did a couple of those desert paintings and uh Yeah, you did like two paintings and I did some book. freelance and stuff that is just kind of nondescript freelance and But um, in, in twenty twenty two, what would you say how much how many hours a week did you work average? Probably a good twenty to thirty, so pretty light. Mm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What about you, Lee? Probably it depends on I mean, probably that amount of time, but for each section. So there's teaching and then mm-hmm. there's illustration and then there's production and then there's my remodel. That took mm-hmm. up if you added all those together, easily 40 no wait, 50 hours a week maybe and then mm-hmm. the, all the the extreme sports stuff on the mm-hmm. side, took mm-hmm. up the other half. So it was just, mm-hmm. and well, then I, I think I have a family too. I think I see them every now and again. <laughs> I was doing a lot of rap, you know, rapping on my Kickstarter mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year. And then since August, I've been working really hard on this book project, mm-hmm. which is turning into a lot more than just the book. And so, so lately I've been putting in more like probably 50 or 60 hours a week. Yeah. I think Jake, yeah. for 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 our perception of Will, he kind of kept the project under wraps for a long time, so we kind of weren't wasn't mm-hmm. weren't seeing anything, and he had, wasn't showing anything, and now we're mm-hmm. starting to see 
all that stuff. So if he was just telling us as he was doing it, it probably would have yeah. been. <clears throat> but still, I mean, a 30-hour work week, that ain't bad. Like, that's that's some that's some good life living going on there. Work oh, yeah. Life. A lot of pickleball playing. A lot of hiking, bike riding. Mm-hmm general socializing do you guys think people would be better off if i've always thought that a friday saturday sunday um time off and then a Mm four-day work week is the optimal way to live a life and you're very productive in four days and then you have Mm -hmm. three days off you got one Mm -hmm. day to run your errands and you got two days to kind of play Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think that that would work for society that would be nice i so this year for me i front-loaded my year uh, making a comic that I was going to kickstart. And then I shifted gears and went into making book proposals. Because my agent was like, you know, I think we could get some book deals here. Um, Here we are at the end of the year, and these proposals are still sort of floating. There's positive feedback. There's there's, um, uh, the publishing world sometimes goes very slow. I got notes on some of these, so I got to go back in and fix some of them if, you know, if they're, if they want uh, a book deal. But when I started out this year, I was like, okay, I have some money saved up. I can put some time into these book proposals. Once those deals land, you know, then I can sort of back pay that savings. And because those book deals never landed, you know, we're still working on them. Uh, I had to come up with some sort of income quick. I'd been turning on freelance too to work on projects, right? Mm-hmm. Personal projects. And so I was like up a creek. So that's why I launched the Spaceships book. And the Spaceships book was sort of like a save my bacon type of type of situation. Um, from Did it did it I, save your bacon? It definitely saved a chunk of bacon chunk of bacon and then um i think because of all the visibility of the, the spaceships books you know me doing the kickstarter just promoting it doing live streams talking about it um which essentially that was from uh preparing for the kickstarter was may to june june to july was running the kickstarter july to november was fulfillment like finishing the book sending it off to the printer and shipping it out right so that was sort of my the last half of my year was just focused on this book. But then I started getting all this freelance uh, stuff coming in because I, I, I don't know, I think uh, those two kind of go hand in hand. People are like, we, we need some artist for the project. You know, there's this guy here and he's just constantly talking about this thing and he seems like he'll, he'll work. And so I started saying yes to all this freelance because, you know, again, needed needed the cash. And now I'm in this state where... I'm doing too much work, fulfilling a Kickstarter, <laughs> doing the doing the freelance work. You know, it's trying to maintain the you know family relationships and stuff like that. And so, uh, so for me, the first half of the year was great work life balance, making zero money with the hopes that I, you know, something would pay off. Mm-hmm. The last half of the year, I felt like I've been doing a year's worth of work in the last six months. Right. So, moving forward, let's talk about. 2023 next year i think i've found a better way to balance out the the in, the the work that actually makes money versus balanced out with 
the you got to do proposals you got to like get things ready because uh you know because you want to get a book published you want to you want to get these book deals and so a, a balance between the non-paying work or the hopefully paying work and the paying work and i think i think i'm getting in a better place there where where it, it can be a good balance but mm. that's that's sort of my 2023 plan i also have i want to do a kickstarter every year moving forward and so um if i have time i'm going to do a redshift renegades kickstarter because i i did one third of that comic at the beginning of the year before i did the spaceships book um so i want to do the rest of the two-thirds of that and launch that but if i'm not able to do that in my back pocket i have the antler boy which is a collection of my short comic stories. It was the first Kickstarter I ever launched. That book has been out of print for like five years. So I want to do a relaunch, a reprint. Design. I've designed a new cover for it. Uh, it was a hardcover book. I want to come out with a softcover book and you know, do some new prints, do some pins for it, stuff like that, and have that sort of be like my back pocket Kickstarter project for this, for this next year to, you know, sort of uh pad the income a little bit Mm -hmm. so that's 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 right matt what are you guys at for 2023 what are you thinking isn't it funny that you you know we've been doing this for so long and it's still like okay guys i think i got this figured out (laughs) it's it's amazing how difficult this is i just want to drive that point home that that man it it only do things have you ever noticed it when you're explaining things in hindsight, like what you did two years ago, it sounds mm-hmm. linear and it sounds mm-hmm. so definite. Like, oh yeah, I did that book and then I did that poster and then I, and then I did a comic con, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's it sounds so linear and so planned and so right. straightforward. And but in the real time, it is so wild to be a creative worker where we have to make stuff that's not funded and mm-hmm. then. And then, you know, just pray that it works and then we have to fulfill that or work for somebody else. But then, you know, you're not able to move to the that personal stuff that you're trying to do. So we're always trying to balance the same stuff that our listeners do. You know, they write in and ask these questions and, you know, I hope we don't ever come across as know-it-alls because we don't. I mean, we're still trying to figure it out ourselves too. Sometimes it's easier to see from the outside looking in on somebody Mm -hmm. (laughs) than Mm -hmm. it is. Um, I finally realized that I tend to have a tendency to take on, I'll take on just enough stuff and then one more project. And by project, I mean a huge thing like, oh, I'm going to do art shows this year, or I'm going to do this giant gallery show in another state or, you know, whatever. And it's the one thing that causes all of it to be chaos. Mm-hmm. And so, so this year mm-hmm. I finally decided like, what am I going to make? What one thing am I going to make next year? Is it going to be, if it's going to be a gallery show, then that's what I'm going to make. And I'm not going to make a kid's book or whatever, mm-hmm. or a Kickstarter, or if it's going to, and so I realized that I want to make a children's book and I'm just all in on that. I canceled all my show stuff. I am going to lean into my prints because that's passive income and I've already set that up and I've never gone through the formal time to really organize that. It's pretty organized, but sometimes it's still a little chaos and I think there's more money that can be made easily there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to lean into that. A li- have you explored having an assistant just come in and, and handle that whole side? I have one finally coming in. Oh, Yeah. Finally. Um, I tried to do it before and because I was so unorganized that she, she would get there and then I'd end up doing the, we both end up doing all the stuff because she didn't right. know how to do it. 
And so I just didn't, I didn't have enough time. And you, you have to invent the process so that it's really like step one, step two, step three. Right. And mm-hmm. understand what, what tasks I want that person to do. And I understand that now. So it's kind of like Jake, like I kind of took a step back formally and said, okay, this is the thing I'm going to make. This is the thing I'm going to have my assistant help me with. Here's how I'm going to make passive income. And I realized you can do anything you want, but you can't do everything you want. And mm-hmm. that's a really important thing. Cause I, it's, I, I tell it to my students, but then I fall victim to it. And and then I have too much. And what I don't like about that is it works you too hard and then it dilutes the work. And I really, the one thing I really love about this job is I love making images. I love looking at the images. I want to be there in that creative mode as much as I can possibly be there. And Mm -hmm. so what can I do to facilitate that? You know, and that's what I love about it. And so if the second you schedule too much, all of a sudden now you're, not doing that. You know, Mm -hmm. you need, you need unfiltered time to sit down and mess with stuff, draw Mm -hmm. and paint and play. So Mm -hmm. that's my focus. What about you? 2023? Will? well, so I'm like, I'm really into this, this, uh, pickleball market niche because it's like the, one of the fastest growing markets. And, um, I just, you know, and, and I'll mention also that I'm, I'm uh, documenting this on YouTube. So every week I'm releasing a video that's explaining this process that I'm going through this, this project. And, but I kind of lucked into living in this, not lucked. I mean, it just is, it just is what it is where I'm in this community of senior citizens that a huge, it's the biggest um, club here in the resort is pickleball. Mm -hmm. And I'm now connected to all those people who all, know about this book and they're already asking if they can pay me for it already. Now that's a small little group, but there are groups like this all over the country. And I also, I'm going to be releasing like how I'm going to get into those groups as well, but they're grandparents that want to buy this stuff for their grandkids. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I had a, I had a woman come over today and buy four books. I had a woman come over a couple of days ago and buy two. Um, and then I don't even have that, the book that I'm working on, now mm-hmm. um but just living down here they're like yeah they're pre-ordering it no they're they're ordering my other books oh but, okay and then there's there's like a and then I, I found out there's like a vendor's day here mm-hmm. and uh so i went down and and tried to register for that and i'm kind of on a waiting list but when they heard what i do that i actually wrote into the story mm-hmm. the the this air, this resort into the <laughs> into the mm-hmm. book which was intentional um, as a as a cheap marketing ploy to get more attention yeah. on it, so they're like, "Well, how do we get this guy in here? Because he's got you know." So they're trying to. So I, I don't know. It's like it's it's pretty exciting to have a a niche market that could be. But you're you're looking at this like you're not planning on hand selling, you know, a thousand no. books. You're looking at this no. as like uh, product validation, so that right. you know, really, your eye eyeballing. Amazon and well, I'm going to sell on Amazon. Yeah. But I'm also like, I don't know. I don't want to reveal too much because I want people to go to my YouTube channel and follow the series there as well. But I'm like, I'm putting all the stats all like, like I put in my order for books today and I did, mm-hmm. I ordered 5,000 books that I'm wow. you know, going to pay for out of my own pocket. Where are you I'm worried that I'm, I'll have a storage unit, but I'm okay. worried that I didn't order enough. I'm really worried that I hope that's you didn't. not enough. That's a, that's the best case. That's the best yeah. worry of all. It is. 
Five thousand um, copies. That's yeah. A lot. And, and I'm and I should be getting a quote today or tomorrow on a puzzle because I'm I'm gonna I'm making a puzzle to go along with it. That was I hope everything was, spelled right in that book. <laughs> I, I mean, we went through it. We we had four people going through it. I hope okay. you didn't forget a page. No, I, that's why I hired a designer. See, like when when you do a book, Jake mm-hmm. or Lee, when you guys do yours, you design it yourselves, right? And you send the yeah. printer your files. I don't trust myself with editing. I don't trust myself with, mm-hmm. I'm going to mess something up. It's, it's in my nature. I know who I am mm-hmm. and I, I can, uh, I need to work with someone who's catching stuff. And mm-hmm. so like, like I'll, 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 I'll just spill this in there. I, I hit a pickle on every, on every page. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, the, de- the, the designer that I hired, she is, she is such a, I guess it's left brain, right? It's just mm-hmm. the, 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 the detail oriented. It's more analytical. She's so left brained that she says she can't help but find inconsistencies and incongruities and <laughs> wow. mistakes like, and stuff. So she longer than this other well, pickle. <laughs> she came back and well, one of them was phallic and you caught that one, Jake. Yeah. And you, you're Saved like, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta change this. So that was by accident. Um, but then I, so she says, um, you said in the front of the book that you, that there's a pickle, a hidden pickle on every page, but on your spreads, there's only, you know, it's a one image that goes across the gutter. There's two pages there. So you're going to have kids that are going to look oh. for a pickle on both pages. What, what if we changed it to, there's a hidden pickle in every illustration. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that works, but it doesn't because there's a couple of pages where there's two illustrations or three, mm-hmm. and I put it one in one of those because uh-huh. I said on every page, uh-huh. and she's like, "Well, so you have options. You either you know, <laughs> got to add it." So, so I went back in and added them on every drawing. So now it says in the book, but it's little things like that, right? Yeah. Um, and she's perfect. she's like, "You'll get letters from kids." Mm-hmm. Going, I found all the pickles on these pages, but I can't find them on no, pages twenty six no. and thirty one. No, you'll get you'll get letters from adults. It's like there's no pickle on page twenty three. One star, <laughs> one star, one star. <laughs> <laughs> I, right. I I gotta say, I am excited about this. I want this thing to just rocket, just just blow up, right? And uh, uh-huh. and I I love being here at the beginning. And seeing this, and and I'm I'm it's awesome that you're doing the YouTube thing to like document this thing too. Uh-huh. Like, wouldn't it be cool if like um, I don't know if if someone made a YouTube video weekly about you know how they made Crocs and just yeah. like you know or I'm the ring these shoes. I think people know, are gonna love these shoes. The the ring camera. Oh yeah. Did, did, you, did you have you ever heard um, Shaq talk about that? No. Like, I, I haven't talked to Shaq in like. Years. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, no. Apparently, he he needed he was going away and he wanted some kind of camera thing. He looked on Amazon and saw, oh, there's this doorbell thing. Mm-hmm. And it's before it ever became big, before anybody knew about it, right? Mm-hmm. It was just a fledgling little company, and he found out that he, I don't know if they had gone through their IPO or if he just invested them personally, but he got one, installed it. And was like, I cannot believe that more people don't know about this. I can answer the phone, the door as if I'm mm-hmm. home through the intercom on my phone. 
This mm-hmm. is going to blow up. So he he gave him a million dollars or or something like that, mm-hmm. and he hundred xed it. You know, it was like one of those investments that just I did not know he, that he saw it in the beginning. Yeah, and and uh, I'm not saying that that's uh, what I've got going on with this market. But one thing that I do like mm-hmm. is there have been a few times in my life where I've had a feeding frenzy on a product. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's magical. And one was making a t-shirt for a BYU game, which I, I knew you were going to say that. Talked Your about BYU that before. game t-shirt. Yeah. Gig. And we, <laughs> we sold out in 20 minutes. It, people, I'm t- telling you five or 10 hands of people with my, with cash in their hands, trying to get shirts off my back. What right? did the because, shirt because have because on we it? Won. All it was said it was game? beat Miami. <laughs> I said, take a bite out of Miami. Well, it was BYU. We were Miami was the number one player, and we were and BYU was number two or something like that. And it was we were fighting for number one. You're like, if we win, I'm going to sell all these. If not, well, I thought we would sell them either way. Country. I was I was way too optimistic, so I thought we'd sell them either way because I thought people would want to wear them to the to the game, Mm -hmm. and all the BYU students were like, everyone knows we're going to lose. I don't want this stupid shirt. So it went from being a product that you couldn't sell. And we had 1,100 of them, and we were we didn't have the money to lose as poor mm-hmm. college students, and so this was this was back in 90, 90, 91, some somewhere around there, and then it went to a souvenir shirt. It turned into a souvenir shirt. Yeah. In like at the at the you know as the clock ran out, mm-hmm. people came out of the stadium. They saw our well, shirts know, and they, they flocked do the to math us. every year for like Super Bowl. Where they're like, okay, we're gonna print. They print both. Yeah, we're gonna they print both. They have to. And yeah. we'll just throw away the, the ones that, yeah. that that lost. <laughs> yep. So there was that time, and then there was the time when when I was first doing Little Heroes, and I was at Denver Comic Con. I told Wayne. It's ironic that I told the story to to uh, Lily today, mm-hmm. but we. I said, um, hey, you, we were we were brand new at doing the convention thing, and and I, I knew that we had we had been to like five conventions before, and. And we'd always made a few sales afterwards. And I was like, let's let's eat dinner based on what we get after mm-hmm. the show closes. So as soon as they say, okay, we're done mm-hmm. on Sunday night, um, we'll Dude. count. like, And, and if we don't get anything. McDonald's or it's steak, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and we made $900 after the show ended. Oh, wow. And it was pretty cool. So it, it's one of those things where I'm looking forward to being in a market that where there's really virtually no competition, at least for mm-hmm. a little while, mm-hmm. you know, Man, I love, I love, love seeing that from the beginning too, because what I love about it is it's so intentional. You're like, I see this thing at this, this market's not being served. I'm going to make something. It's so deliberate. Like the whole way I'm with Jake, like watching this thing, like, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, I think it could go, mm-hmm. it could blow up, but <laughs> either, either, I mean, that's the cool part is you don't know, but, but what I love is it's, it, it's kind of a testament to your thought process as an entrepreneur, not just an illustrator. And that's kind of what we talk about so much here is make the thing. And you're not just like, Oh, these other people made a cool thing. So I'm going to make a cool thing and hopefully ride on their coattails. You're like, no, I'm going to, I'm going over here where there's nobody. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I had that same feeling a little bit different because you're doing it 
so you like pickleball and you like illustration. And so you combine those things together and mm. now you're gambling. Like, uh, is there a market there or not? Um, when I first started doing concept design for architects in Los Angeles, I had sort of that moment too. Cause I, but I kind of fell into it backwards. I wasn't like, Oh, this market's underserved. I'm going to do that. I had a friend who was an architect who needed a drawing. I do the drawing and all of a sudden the, all his friends and the people he presents the drawing to is like, who did this drawing? Nobody's doing hand done drawings anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I got the next one and then I get the next one. I was like, Oh my God, nobody knows how to, nobody is going after this group of people. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, it was just a smorgasbord. It was like, I, I could, I could have as much or as little work as I wanted. And mm-hmm. I was just like a kid in a candy store, but it's not ultimately what I wanted to do. So it wasn't as fulfilling, but it was just mm-hmm. kind of like, alternate area, man, when you find those little pockets, um, and you're, and you're going after it just so specifically, I love it. Which you, you actually frustrated me this year because you had this killer product, Lee, the, the tarot deck and you did 27 cards for it. Is that how many it was? 22 total. 22. And everybody's begging you for like the full deck and you're like, nah, I don't want it. I don't want to do that. I'm done. You could just just sit down. It's all illustration. Do the full deck, and and now you've got like you're in the same you know situation as well. You just get a distributor, and now you're selling. You know, you're sitting on a throne of tarot decks. Shoot, it's a good point. I mean, maybe when I was saying that, I was at the end of burnout on doing yeah. all the work on it, and so maybe, so so maybe it'll come back around. But I got to figure out. You know, I'm not a uh, you know, I don't come from that world. Mm-hmm. And so like when you give me the concept of illustrate death or illustrate love or something like that, I can come up with these. I love concepting that out and illustrating it. The rest of the cards are like the three of cups. I, mm-hmm. I got nothing. Like, I, I don't know. I need to, I need to research for a, a week to figure out. No, okay, you, what just is this card? At, you just, you, what you do is you go purchase 20 tarot decks as research, you see what everybody did for the three of cups and you make this something is, that only Lee White would make. She's just got three cups on it. That's I've got a yeah. couple that I did that. Kind of... I mean, it's not, it's not a huge problem. I know, but I want to, I, I, I mean, you're probably right, but I'm just like, I, I just doesn't fill me. If, if I can figure out what my connection is to those cards, I'll do it. But it's 52. Like if I did one a week, I wouldn't be done. I would have no income for a year. I got it. It's it's a three person tea party in the sky. That's what Lee White would do. So they're just floating. The the tables got balloons attached to it. uh I tried to to get Jake to guess my illustration the other day. He fell horribly short. He got the bike part right. There was a bike in there. So (laughs) it was. I don't know. It was. Lee's like, okay, what am I illustrating right now? I said, "Mm, character on a bike. What else did I say? There's a uh, the bike's got balloons attached to it. And it's There's leaves the floating the through the air. Yeah. <laughs> You'll but. never get this magic. You can list all the things. <laughs> There's a floating narwhal. I just have a Lee White bingo card, right? I've never done a narwhal. <laughs> we all do, though. We all yeah. have the we four things that we illustrate. <laughs> we all do. So let me ask you guys this. Uh, we talked about w- what went well this year, what we want to do next year. I want to ask you, one of the big things to drop in 2022 was AI art. And we've I talked you were about it. you going to go there. I, I mean, you have to. As, you have to. On the day we record this, 
there's a massive protest happening on ArtStation. Right. Um, where people are posting uh, a no A art image designed by, I think the person who kicked this off was Nicholas Cole. And, uh, and ArtStation's disabling comments. So you can't comment on these, these posts too, which is really oh, weird. The whole reason weird. for the protest is, um, is uh, a lot of these, the art styles that people are using in AI art is based on ArtStation artwork images that were scraped from art station. Right. So there's, there's kind of two problems here. One images used in their data sets without permission Two, these companies making money off of these images, you know, uh, stable diffusion, uh, you know, these different AI companies are, are valued at millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. And three, um, that, ArtStation isn't doing anything on their end to protect or to differentiate uh, differentiate AI art from traditional made art, right? And, and by traditional, I mean by humans, right? <laughs> not not painted, you know, traditionally, right? So, so those are kind of three issues. But um, so that's what's happening there. That's that's just one segment of this broader conversation that's happening. So. 2022, I think, is the year of AI art. 2021 was NFTs in the art community, uh-huh. right? Um, Which is funny. You don't hear much about those anymore. No, you don't. That's not a. It's not a problem anymore. What's up, Lee? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. So, what's your prognostication for AI art? Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm on the opposite side for the for the uh, NFTs. I was poo poo in the NFTs. You're and like, thought they would thought they would year. die. And I was right. Uh-huh. And now I, I say, I think the opposite with AI, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm laughing at the protest because I f- feel, I understand why the protest is happening mm-hmm. and I can sympathize with that. It's like, it's like trying to stop the internet when it first came out in 2000, like, Oh, there's, there, it should all be just traditional right. pain. There should be no internet. There should be traditional right. portfolios. You can't it's fight here. against this. It's here. And it's, and it's, and the problem is it's, good already and it's it's going to get way better all right i gotta and share so. my screen and show you some okay sharing screen something. all right Sharon here we go screen. this is a comic book that was made written and illustrated by ai mm-hmm. okay really good have you seen it lee i haven't have seen this one no. that character is fantastic is it called the land of mutant hands I know, right? Look at the hands right here. It can't. They can't handle hands. Look at this. There's like an extra mouth down here. But I mean, like, how hard will it be for it to to figure that out? Right? Look at the look at these hands. Yeah, so six fingers. Why can't it figure out hands? What's going on there, Jake? It's because it doesn't. It doesn't know what it's actually making. The mm. AI art is just piecing together um, pixels zeros and ones mm-hmm. and so it's not working off like it's it just understands things surface like surface level it doesn't mm. understand structure mm. right so once ai is able to incorporate um 3d 3d modeling technology in there mm-hmm. like like oh you need a character standing in this pose and you know, it's posing a hand and then just putting a filter over the top of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how it's going to work or not, but but it, right it's going to figure it, is, it out. Well, and, and if you guys are listening, 
we we did share some images on our YouTube channel, which is the Society of Visual Storytelling. Mm-hmm. School of Visual School of Visual, School of Visual Storytelling YouTube. Let's just Google that on YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah. So formerly known the, as the so Lee's right. It's n- the the genie is out of the bottle, right, or out of the lamp. They tried to st- they tried to stuff the uh, the car back in the bottle. Didn't work yeah. out. So, but here's here's the problem because these companies um, there's real problems with their data sets that they're they're pulling all these images from. Mm-hmm. These data sets are and the and the algorithms that they're working with are racist. Mm. You know, when you type in "give me a doctor," most likely it's going to be a white male, mm-hmm. right? So then you have to like uh, type in extra components. It doesn't, you know, just it 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 sort of bases all these images that it's creating off of the corresponding data that goes with it. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's those issues, the data sets that they're, the, the images that they're pulling these from were acquired for Illegally, nonprofit basically. reasons, yeah. but now are being used for profit for profit. So, right. But then there's troubling images in there. So they have images of violence, like, like terrorist videos and, and photographs of, of horrible stuff. They have pornography in there. They have uh, people's faces from medical um, mm-hmm. records, right? And so then they have all HIPAA. this artwork from artists who haven't, you know, you know, who haven't given given them authorization Consent, right. on that, right? And not to mention all these other images that that are authorized. So, what's going to happen is no major AAA or uh, video game company or uh, animation studio is going to want to use AI art in production because they're worried because about getting sued legal, for copyright yeah, legal yeah. reasons. Yeah. You know, some artists could say, "Hey, I see, you know, five percent of my art in this in this thing here." You owe me five percent of your profits. Yeah. Something well, like that's that. that's why concept artists should be shaking in their shoes if anybody's going to get replaced first it's them because it's not the finished piece that they're doing the research with yeah Mm. but i can see a future where it's a part of the concept artist workflow right whether it's in the same way that um a concept artist has a pinterest board or a reference board with everything that they want to work off of because um uh, you know, instead of scour, because right now, I mean, I've done, I do concept art for companies all the time. The art director will be like, okay, here's a, here's a mood board. This is what we want it to feel like. And there's going to be art on there that they've just scraped from the internet themselves. Like we like this card that was designed by this guy. We like this thing here. We're like, now you put these together and make something right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could very well go in and type in prompts and and have AI kind of mishmash these things together and, and come up with something. But it's still just a concept and it's it still needs to be refined and like designed by an artist. And the the final design needs to have needs to be something more bespoke and like crafted mm-hmm. because um, bespoke? Did you say bespoke? bespoke? Yeah. Yeah. Lee, when you graduate yeah, to, to Jake's level, you'll be using words like that. I, well. He's got bespoke, I think, pulled up on his computer right now. <laughs> <I'm> not. <laughs> it's just a part of my vocabulary. <laughs> anyway, they're gonna they're gonna need it. Something that's that really has 
an artist hand to it because you can't hand, um, you know, I mess with AI to like design something. I was the other day I was messing with it. Like, let's come up with a futuristic Batmobile or whatever, you know, just for fun. I showed you some of them. Yeah. Okay. So now I have a concept of it, but a modeler doesn't know what it looks like from the back view. And mm-hmm. if I type in, try to get these props to work, like show me the back view, it's going to give me an entirely different thing. Right. Like, so for at, now, where it's at for right now. now, where it's at right now, it's not, it's not that. And it could be some point it is, it is doing that, but you're still, there still needs to be like, I don't know. There's arguments too that say like, well, at some point the machines are all going to learn that you need a movie about Ridley Scott's Batman set in 1999 made to look as if it was, you know, built in 1982 and it's a retro futuristic Batman movie and it's going to make the whole movie for you and you're going to pay 20 bucks to watch it. And, and, uh, right. And it's a, a custom bespoke AI movie just for you. Right. Um, yeah. So that's possibly a future and no artist was involved in that. Um, and that, you know, maybe that is inevitable, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to really appreciate a, uh, you know, something like a Pinocchio by Guillermo del Toro that is handcrafted by artists and made beautifully and is is from the, the point of view of a specific, you know, person and they have a statement that they want to say on life through this artwork just because AI is providing something for me that also fits my taste buds doesn't mean that, you know, I'm going to say no to something handcrafted by humans. Right. It's kind of, it's kind of like if an, if a new food came out, you might like the new food or the new treat, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean you hate the other stuff you were eating before. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it doesn't, you don't, don't trade everything in. Right. You know, I'd like to make another point with that. I'd love you, if you're done, you want to get, you got more to that? No, go for right. it. I was having this conversation last night. That's why I was kind of fresh in my head, but like I, I enjoy drawing and painting, so that's not going to stop. But if the value of my drawing and painting goes away because AI is so good and you know, does that, whatever I keep drawing and painting on the side, but my value in terms of income and my job is not because I draw well or I paint well. And I will shift in a heartbeat. If I'm now, you know, like say AI, um, comes up with the best images, whatever. Well, you still got to make it into something like Will's uh, pickleball book. It doesn't know how to turn it into a book and then where's it going to sell it and where's it going to market it. And so, you know, if I'm pivoting, the only thing that's changed is how the images are made, but I'm still driving these projects and where mm-hmm. they end up and the th- and how I relate mm-hmm. to them. And so, so the worst thing you can do in all this, in my opinion, is hold your only value to being the one thing that you do. It's, I don't consider myself my value in just drawing and painting. That's mm-hmm. just a small part of it. That's how mm-hmm. I make it, but it's not mm-hmm. the only thing. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't bother me. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. I think it's a lot of oh, your, ahead, Will. a lot of your values in your ideas too. And that's going to be the same for artists that are using AI, right? They, mm-hmm. they have to know what to put in to generate certain ideas that they think will appeal to people yeah to, uh, as far as retail uh, products go so. I, I want to say too like I love uh, I love whoppers I don't eat them all the time like a Burger King whopper right you get cheese on that or no cheese 
I don't do I do no cheese on my Whopper, okay. uh, but that doesn't mean I don't like a cheeseburger. Um, five Guys, I'll I'll do cheese on a Five Guys. That's for sure. But <laughs> but let me say this though, um, uh, the uh, the Whopper I went into was it McDonald's or, or Burger King. You go into these fast food restaurants and they have them set up now where you don't even talk to a person. You just punch yeah. in what you want. Yeah. And then someone brings out your order. And if if they could and they would, they'd make a machine that could just make the burger start to finish. Right. Mm-hmm. So essentially, AI has created. You could type a burger in like you could type in like McWhopper, and you get yeah. a hybrid between McDonald's <laughs> yeah. and Burger King. Okay, so so yeah, every once in a while I'm going to order that, and maybe some people that's all they want to eat. But that doesn't mean some days I don't want like street tacos from a van, you know, on the corner. Uh, just because, you know, it's a unique flavor that I can't, you know, and an experience that I can't get anywhere else. It's like we've solved the food problem in first world country. Like nobody is hurting for food here. If, if you know, at the very least, you can go buy rice from the grocery store and just eat rice every day. Like nobody's mm-hmm. going hungry. There's food for everybody. So how come restaurants aren't out of business like nice restaurant how come food trucks aren't out of business it's because mm-hmm. people want something unique handcrafted special mm-hmm. or they want the experience sometimes the food is is not as good as a burger king whopper but the experience was was way better than going to burger king and mm. that's what you're paying for and so art's kind of the same way you know somebody somebody's just going to want something ai made for them you know handcrafted just for them by ai but also doesn't mean they're not going to want to go see you know uh, 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 a a play a live play put <coughs> humans you know right. something well, like the, that the so, same version of this argument comes around every you know decade or so i will say that this one's a little more revolutionary but do you mm-hmm. remember when when ebooks first came out and it was it was supposed to be the end of print you know what i mean even david mm-hmm. carson's uh david carson great graphic designer his book titled the end of print from right around that era and uh it wasn't the end of print it right. wasn't even close it never even really dented print yeah that's pretty I mean, crazy yeah sometimes i do read a book on my ipad but uh that doesn't mean i don't like love having a a, a really nice you know handcrafted Mm -hmm. like even if it's done at a print shop like just a nice holding a book in my hand feeling the pages smelling the ink um yeah that's a a good point i actually feel pretty silly i have to i have to jump in on that uh because i believed it i thought i believed it was the end of print yeah and i thought that uh and so that's when when i uh spent all that time doing the gary's place story app along with uh, gary's worms Mm-hmm. And uh, just really invested a ton of time and energy and money into that those projects, mm-hmm. as did um, our friend in animation storyboarder Ryan Woodward mm-hmm. with this beautiful app, The Bottom of the Ninth, probably the the best yeah. story mm-hmm. app ever made, to the tune of fifty or seventy thousand dollars that he out of his own pocket. It was mm-hmm. so good, uh, and. And yeah, it what we found out was that, that it didn't take over. <laughs> no, it didn't. That it that, didn't. Fa- that was one of those I would chalk up as a as a really good learning failure in in a lot of ways. Like, 
you had to try it. You had to, you know, this new technology had to go yeah. out there. But imagine if he had put all that time and effort into just making an animated short. You know, that would be ex- yeah. way more watchable. Uh-huh. Uh, way it, it would ha- still have a life. Like you could go, you know, people would be like, "Oh, remember yeah. this?" Or have you seen this yet? No one's downloading that app. Well, anymore. how much has how much has he gotten out of the thought of you? By the way, if you haven't watched Thought of You mm-hmm. on YouTube, his little animation, mm-hmm. go go watch that. And it's yeah, uh, awesome. And and he's and and that cost him so much less, both mm-hmm. in time and money. Yeah. Than the app, and the app is. I mean, you have to renew to keep that app alive. You got to pay your hundred and whatever dollars to mm-hmm. Apple every year um, to to keep it in the in the App Store. Yeah. So it's probably, I don't even know if he's kept up on that. So future of AI, essentially, we're, we're coming down. It's not going anywhere. This is where we're landing, right? It's not going anywhere. But also, neither are artists. Right. Essentially. Right. But people will lose people's jobs. Some people will lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. Many people's jobs will change. Mm-hmm. It's not going to stay the same. There will probably be new jobs of like people right. that can think and, and they can get out of the AI mm-hmm. what the employer wants. Mm-hmm. So they'll be hired and they might not even have drawing skills. My, my friend sent me, uh, he's like, you know where AI is being used right now? Uh, he said, I'm seeing it on like um, educational or like infotainment um, or edutainment videos where when they used to do is pull stock footage and stock images to like fill in, you know, what they're talking about. Now they're just like, he sent me this, this, uh, this Instagram reel or whatever about the history of Rome mm-hmm. and half the images in there were AI generated images, like showing specific Romans doing specific things. Right. Um, and so I'm like, okay, this video wouldn't exist in this way prior to AI, it would, mm-hmm. it wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible unless you hired an artist and shelled out, you know, $5,000 for them to do the illustrations for you or the Photoshop work or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the person, so like that job wasn't, no one was going to get that job anyway, because that guy didn't have the money to pay for that. So it's like a job wasn't lost but something was created that wouldn't exist before. Mm-hmm. So that's like one of these gray areas where I'm like, um, this is an example of no one's losing a job here, but it is filling a need. You know, I guess the person that's losing a job is whoever was doing stock photos, right? Like who's ever like that might be worrisome for a photographer who's doing stock photos. But even then, how many photographers like have made a career out of stock photos like yeah in the 80s a lot but now not yeah not not much right but i I also i also saw a usage when i was just kind of going through some of mid-journey stuff uh where like a high school heavy metal band had made the most awesome cd cover they could ever dream of that just like you're saying they weren't going to hire an illustrator or a photographer to make that they don't have mm-hmm. any money. They're in high school, but they made the most badass cover. Mm-hmm. It looked so heavy metal, and you know all that stuff kind of leans, leans creepy for some reason right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's like a perfect genre for it. But exactly like you're saying, no, they, no illustrator lost their job, but this high school band now has the coolest cover they could ever right. imagine. So it's so it's a win right. in my opinion. The only problem though is they're 
they still got a cover based on free artwork that was provided to these to these that's uh, problematic to these eight things so that's- if there's a system and so then here's the the really rude double standard is these ai companies have been doing the same thing with music but they don't touch copyrighted music because they don't want a lawsuit from the music industry mm. well there's no art industry capital letters right there's no artist big enough represented by a big enough com- company that's going to sue because their images are being used right like like you don't have name a, a artist who's on the level of like taylor swift in as far as notoriety and popularity and success financial and just images sold mm-hmm. thomas kid maybe <laughs> right <laughs> like he's dead though right um and so and so because these companies aren't worried about photographers and artists like suing them they're just using the images and we're, we're just going to use them whatever so i think the solution there is some sort of legislation or s- some sort of pressure it probably has to come from government because companies don't want to get sued, right? Mm-hmm. They, they don't want to have to factor in legal fees to the to their bottom line, and uh, and to get them to just say, hey, it's illegal to use these images procured from these places. Again, I don't know. The cream's like in the coffee, right? Like I don't like if right. they scrape Pinterest. You know, Pinterest is just pulling images from everywhere anyway, which they have. They scrape Pinterest, so it. I don't know, but. That's tough. Yeah, something has to be done there. So I would. So I think. I think I'm in favor of ethical AI, and I'm weary about the current AI. But at the end of the day, I'm just gonna keep making my art and hopefully see growing an audience. When for you it. say ethical AI, to me, and what I've seen people talking about online, is people that that give them images to use in their database but that's i mean if they relied on that there would be no ai art right Mm because what would be the incentive to give them images so it only to me it only really works public domain public domain domain, which that's not that big compared to you could do some really cool stuff public domain images and art you know you have all the, the classical paintings all the um uh, romantic era paintings. Yeah, but it would all end up looking like that because here's the problem. They wouldn't be able to say, hey, give me a, a book cover in the style of James Jean because it would have no data. Right. No, and right. that's, that's I'm fine with that. You, you know, one thing I've noticed <laughs> lately with Google now James images. James Jean can, can get a book cover deal. <laughs> right. No, I'm fine with that too, but I'm just saying it, it, it severely hampers it. So I don't know how right. it What were you going to say, Will? I've noticed something new with in the last year with Google Images in that, um, and I'm sure our listeners would know more, way more about this than me. But I sometimes I, I make um, flyers and posters for our church events, mm-hmm. and so in the past I've been able to go on Google Images, and if I need like a uh, like a border, let's say, right mm-hmm. for for a flyer, mm-hmm. and I would just hit you know i type in a few words and pull up a bunch of borders there were a ton of images that were free mm-hmm. right that people had just put out there mm-hmm. for whatever reason um and now 
it seems like they link, they're mostly linking to stock illustration sites, mm. which is interesting. So they all have the watermarks on all yeah. the images now. So in the past, they would link to uh-huh. non-watermarked images, but now it's all for sale stuff. Yep. I bet there's some something going on there. Bet there's something going on there. Yeah. I want to say this going back to what Lee brought up with the, you know, the if you if the data set just had public domain and like uh anything public domain, photography to to artwork or whatever. But with the technology that we have, you could download, you could have it running off your system or or an account that you that you own or you pay for, but you could upload all of the artwork you've ever created into there and say, okay, now do my style. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. <laughs> would you would you go for that? Personal. So art that only robot. you would have access to that. Not anybody else, but just you would have access to that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean I, I would because then you know you could theoretically uh, create things that you wouldn't, you know, you could see some really cool things that you wouldn't have thought of, mm-hmm. and you can you could make the modifications because it's your style, mm-hmm. and you could pick and choose what you wanted to keep, what you wanted to delete, mm-hmm. modify. But does but does I mean for you is creating art the painting part or the concepting part? Like where's the art? So the, my mind is 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 in two places, right? Uh-huh. When it comes to art, like, like, because I don't know if other people are are like this, but until I have a certain number for my retirement, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I can afford to play <laughs> at my work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like, um, uh, so, so like one thing that I've always really wanted to do is start, uh, doing some en plein air painting, right. You know, mm-hmm. like, like, like for fun. Just go out with a backpack and some mm-hmm. art supplies and a lunch and paint from nature. It's something mm-hmm. I've always wanted to do. And I don't do it because I feel like my creative time needs to be spent on projects that can make money. Now, some people would mm-hmm. say, well, you can make money doing that. You know, you could sell those paintings. Sure. But that's starting a whole nother business. And yeah, I, right. I I know where I can make money now. And so I, I do that. So there's a part of me that wants to make paintings for fun. And making a physical painting is not going to, AI really isn't going to compete with that for a while, probably because like you said, that, you know, people want that handcrafted. Yeah. Until they make robots that that can like. Yeah. Someone else made. So I think that that's probably safe for quite a while if you're thinking about it for money. But for me, it's the fun of mixing colors and drawing and recreating, you know, and and designing and, and using all those skills I've developed. Right. So there's that. But then when it comes to making a product to sell, mm-hmm. anything that can cut time mm-hmm. for me is a worthy pursuit in that goal. Because mm. the satisfaction is not just like, it's not just in making the thing, it's in coming up with an idea that people want. Yeah. You know, that they want to spend their money on. I see. I have a request for 2023. <laughs> okay. Two words need to be eliminated from all art vocabulary. Okay. In, unless you're in France, don't say in plain air. <laughs> I hate it. I like, did oh, that I because I knew it would air. bother you. 
Oh, you went outside and painted? In plain air. <laughs> Say you went outside. It's the same freaking thing. Outside painting. And then and then <laughs> she she clay is the other word. Oh, you mean a, you mean an inkjet print? Oh no, it's a clay. I'm with you on that. Well, that was a marketing. <laughs> inkjet print totally costs five dollars. Jeclays costs forty five dollars. That's right. No more. No it's, more. It's fun. It was really funny. I had to tell a really quick anecdotal story on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to uh, Snellston Photocolor Lab in Springville when I used to live in Utah, he had like some of the best printers you could, money could buy, but he mm-hmm. would not spend the money to get whatever the Giclee mm-hmm. name was. You know, so there's these there's these uh, you know every print manufacturer out there is competing mm-hmm. with their with making great printers and. Uh, I didn't know the difference, you know, so I wanted some prints and I was like, but I'm really looking for a Giclee and watching him, knowing him now and watching his, the pain of him trying to explain <laughs> that there's, that his printers are just as good, but they don't have that name. Mm-hmm. It was funny. And then I got to watch him do it with, with someone else after <laughs> I knew about it. And it was just, it's just funny. That's, That's funny. awesome. <laughs> All right. Should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up in plain air. And all right, air. everybody. Th- <laughs> I, I don't know why I talk like that, but all right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> in plain ep- in plain air episode. I just want to <laughs> close this episode by saying thank you, who's listening to this show, because we love doing it and we appreciate the support for you doing it. And a thanks to our patrons who've been supporting us over there. You guys are rock stars. Um, so, so that's great, and thank you to everybody who signed up for SVS this year in yeah. 2022. So, we really appreciate that as well. What do patrons get for like other than you know paying a little bit of money every month? Oh, they're going to get a every every month. The three of us do a pro tip. We uh, we just show what we're working on and how we did it, how we accomplished you know that particular thing, and they varied from like Lee showed us how he does composition really easy with like three levels of values. I showed like a cool trick uh, that I do in Photoshop to get a nice effect. Um, and Will, you've showed like how you do, uh, you showed like some of your pickleball book, like how mm-hmm. you were uh, made your backgrounds like really easy yeah. going in that one. So it's it's cool stuff like that. And we do like Patreon hangouts, not hangout. We do like live episodes with patrons. So people are asking their questions live. We're answering them live, which is really cool. Um, okay. So, yeah, Three Point Perspective is made possible by svslearn.com and our Patreon. Um, your hosts are Will Terry, Lee White, and I'm Jake Parker. Lee White can be found at leewhiteillustration.com and Will Terry at willterry.com. And go ahead, you can find me at mrjakeparker.com. Click on that website. Check it out. Uh, podcast produced by Daniel 2. That's Daniel T-U. And his website is daniel2.co. Uh, keeper of the Curriculum. Special thanks to him, Austin Shirtlift. Special thanks to Show Notes Wrangler, Lily Howell. And special thanks to our Chief Operations Officer, Lisa Fott. Now, go draw something. I was going to ask, I forgot, I was going to ask about have you guys seen the trailer for 65? I hadn't even heard no. of it. I haven't okay, heard of it. So pull it up. If if they made a, a, if Hollywood made a movie 
for me, it would be this movie. It's really the, the, the same team or whatever. It's from the people who brought you Quiet Place. Uh, it stars Adam Driver, Kylo Ren guy, right? And, right. The, and what about it? Wasn't the guy from The Office part of that whole setup? So is he involved? Uh, I don't know. He's probably a producer on it or something. But um, but this guy's in a spaceship. He gets hit by an asteroid. He crash lands on the nearest planet. Uh-huh. And it turns out, you should just watch the trailer, but it turns out. I'm watching out, it right now. Turns um, out it's somehow, well, do, do you want me to spoil the trailer? <laughs> no, don't spoil anything. But is he Kylo Ren in this one? Uh-uh. He's not? How is am he, I going to not, not think of him? Is he Jurassic Park? No, he's this, not Jurassic How am I going to think of him as not Kylo Ren? How can you say it's not Jurassic Park? He's now stuck in a dinosaur world. So he gets stuck in 65 million years ago on Earth is what it oh. is. So it's so it's Star Wars meets Jurassic Park. Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty I amazing. I can't think of a better oh, movie this is pitch. Cool. <laughs> it's a cool Throwing idea. Throwing some Avatar and, and <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> I agree. Cool. I agree. I'm sold on that one. Too. Have you guys have you guys heard of the um the Netflix disease? No. You heard of that? But I did learn what Netflix and chill means. Don't after <laughs> we using don't it go. on the podcast, not <laughs> knowing what it meant. But what, wow. what don't is, say anything you don't know. What is the Netflix disease is described as the fact that now that people like to binge watch series. Mm-hmm. And and so um, you know Netflix spends money producing series and and, and shows mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, what they try to do is take a two hour movie and stretch it over a season. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know of episodes. How and long so, is the season now? I don't know, but but the idea is that you have to sit through an hour, and you're almost ready to quit because they're not giving you any meat. There's no real plot twists or turns. Mm -hmm. And then right at the end of an episode, they finally give you something to hook you into the next one. And so you're Mm -hmm. like wasting your time. And uh, we were watching that 1883 thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's 1883 or 93. It's 1923 or four. Anyway, it's, (laughs) it's the one where it starts on the ship and it's slow, so slow. And things were like, not, going anywhere that i'm like i think i'm done like this is not hooking me and then yeah. lily pulls up a review and and this guy lays it all out this as he i don't know if he described the netflix disease but he's like he says this is the thing that's this is another one that falls under that and so he says watch dark instead mm-hmm. so we're we switched over to that one dark is that any yeah. good it is it's that one was moving i mean so, it's like it's like a real it was written to be i don't know the episodes dark. Is Netflix? So Netflix disease is uh, what Netflix has. Netflix has the disease, or people yeah, Netflix have has the, the disease, disease of oh, okay. of putting out basically uh, fluff. You mm. know, like taking That's a, a story. Name. It's like if if Will's annoying, we call it Will's disease. I know because it's it's, it's he's not being really too the... Will. <laughs> dark. Yeah. How far are you into dark, Will? Second. Episode. Oh man, I don't want to be the buzzkill then. Oh, why? You saw it? Yeah, it's You didn't like it? Freaking terrible. Really? Up up until I I was exactly like you, I was hooked. I thought this was great. It almost like had a like a a little older version of Stranger Things in a way. Uh-huh. Right. I felt like that. 
it goes so wild, kind of like this, all this, um, um, metaverse and all this kind of stuff where you can't Mm -hmm. tell, you can't tell where people are, what time they're in, where anything's going on. You're Uh just, I mean, the whole time you're just like, where are they? Who are they? Oh, it's hard to follow. That's her mom. But as a baby and like, you know, yeah, it's, it it gets wild. Like it started so good and so clear and so easy. Yeah. I mean, I, it's worth the first season after that. It's a wash. Oh, interesting. But see how you think. I mean, maybe maybe you won't feel Nothing's that way. Nothing's good anymore. I saw uh, on the plane the first two episodes of Three Pines because it was recommended. You know, pops uh-huh. up on my Netflix. Do you guys know that one? I've seen it. It's like I'm. You saw it? No, just the seen it pop up. Suck. Three Pines. Total suck. It's like a murder mystery, <laughs> and then this guy. He's a you know he's like a clear thinking detective, sympathetic. Doesn't it have main, Chris Pine in it? Main character. Does not have, <laughs> does okay. not have Chris Pine. Because there's but, maybe I'm thinking of something else. But so let me just tell you real quick. Uh, Three Pines started off okay, just like almost all these series. Like the first five minutes is fine. But then so this guy goes to this this little small town. He's investigating this murder. I'm not kidding. Every single hunch he has, he just has hunches, and they're all correct. And they're so <laughs> far fetched. I don't. There's, yeah, I don't like movies like, like that. I was just going, like, going you okay. got to be kidding me. So there's no story here if the guy, the lead, the main character, isn't right about every little hunch thing. Every he's like, if he gets one know, wrong, then the the girl dies. Right. Yeah. And this one was so wild. He'd be like, with no prompt, he'd be like, you know, I bet this girl has a long lost mother, and the mother might be living in the town under a different name. Just pulls that out of freaking thin air. <laughs> oh, there she is. There she is right there at the cafe. Yeah. God. Oh my God. Not a fan of those. I was, so, uh, but I was, I was glued to it because I had to keep watching it. Cause two things happened on the flight too. There was, a, I was sitting next to like a five or six year old. And for about 15 or 20 minutes, he just looked at my face I could see him out of the <laughs> out of the corner of my eye, and then he started. I, love those I, kids. I was wearing a like a like a down jacket, you know, that has like the pleated little rows and stuff. And he starts petting my arm, and what? I'm like, I don't know what to do. He's going like this, like a cat would do, or something. Like, he's like <laughs> and he even did that with my laptop. He started scratching my, you know, the little grid that's your speakers. He starts. Uh-huh. Zick, 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 did zick, did zick. he cough up a hairball? He did. He was black and white and orange. <laughs> no, it was bizarre. Right, and the and the mom didn't say anything. Okay, let's go ahead. Let's, get let's off start topic. this episode. Because <laughs> if I'm bored, I know whoever's listening to this is bored. <laughs> well, this is this isn't part of the podcast. I'm just talking to you guys. But anyway, that's I, why I watched the film because I was like uncomfortable to do anything else because I was being watched. <laughs> that's the worst. Like, I will say this, Allison. She is uh, a talker, like a uh, friendly, you know, I'll talk to you if you want. She, I mean, she respects people. Like if they don't want to talk, she doesn't talk. Right. But she's always uh, fishing for conversations just to, you know, because people That's are lonely the and they need, yeah. they need someone to talk to. I get on an airplane. I put on my headphones exactly. and I just completely shut down. Like <laughs> I'm that guy. Do not say anything to me. Do not talk to me. <laughs> I love it. I love just being in my own little, like, I don't know, five yeah. foot by one you foot. You don't want world. somebody to say something. 
for two hours or three oh. hours however long, however long the flight is i don't i don't want to talk 